All right, let's do this thing, Vinay. Another W, another victory Saturday. Just so excited. For the Buffs, yeah, they beat um, Stanford this time, 35-32. to Can I just say, though, just, just for the record, just so everyone who's listening knows this, I predicted the Buffs would win 35-27. to Oh, here we go. I was only off. <laughs> if they had gone for the field goal at the end, I would have nailed it. Should've That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. Well, you know, uh, I, I think both of us before the game, we agreed it was going to be high scoring. I mean, maybe first half wasn't high scoring at all. Um, but as the second half rolled around that, and obviously Stanford blew up in the fourth quarter, I it ended up being high scoring. I know the overhead, so the overbetters are very happy. And uh, I think we're both pretty right because we predicted a one-score game. You were a little bit more right than I was, but I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> both pretty right because we sorry echo. A- um, yeah, but you know it's um, yeah, it's the second straight week where we've seen the team come back late, and it's put Buffs fans kind of on edge. What do you think happened? It has. I they, they don't make it easy on us. Anybody that thought this was oh, going to be yeah, easy, but- it's just. You know, it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's the second straight week. Where we've seen I think that, that echo is coming from my phone or my laptop. I have no idea. Anyway, I think sorry. it might be me. I think I had it for a second. Anyway, yeah. So Sam Neuer had another good performance. This wasn't great. Neither was um, Bruce Sard. So Neuer was 15 for 24, 255 yards. Uh, two touchdowns and interception passing. Broussard, 27 rushes for 121 yards. Two straight games, he's over 100. Boom. What was the stat that uh, I think Brian might have tweeted it out? There's only been a few running backs that have um, had back-to-back 100-yard games for their t- first two starts of their career. I don't, I don't have that in front of me, but there is a very good – um, stat obviously, Jarek Broussard's been very, very special. Um, you can just see what well, that one run, uh, was it in the fourth quarter? They were driving and he just bounces off tackle, bounces off. Oh, that tackle, was in the third quarter. That was the uh, the spin move, right? No, that the spin move was right before that, but I'm, I'm thinking of, of one of those in the fourth quarter. The one that he got the um, his ankle got a little beat up on. Yeah, great, um, great performance from him. Neuer on the ground did it too. Eight for 36 yards with two touchdowns. Neuer, I mean, do we have to start the Heisman campaign? Because we might have might as well start the Heisman campaign. The man has been money. Yeah. Um, he made that one really bad decision. Uh, Chance Lytle. Comp- Actually, I want to make a quick correction. It's Chance Little, I believe. Uh, I know the Is broadcasters it? were pronouncing his name wrong all day. No but if I remember my yeah, if I remember my pronunciation sheet right, Tyler Lytle, Chance Little. Anyway, okay. um, he whiffed on that block. That guy got free right up the middle. Sam decided to try to send that throw. Um, it ended up being a pretty good punt. Pinned them deep. A little arm punt. punt. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, one bad decision. He seemed to bounce back from it uh, very very well he was pretty much nails for the rest of the day uh, I don't blame that fourth quarter on him he didn't get an opportunity to make any plays they just decided to keep running the ball um, but yeah I thought he played great pretty much all throughout uh, a little bit of a shaky start but to see him bounce back I mean you can just 
see the mental toughness. We know he has the physical toughness. He's willing to hurdle everybody. Um, but, but we got to see the mental toughness as well. Yeah, we see that a couple of people are joining us now. They're tuned into this live stream. If you're there, tell us what you think about this game. Tell us how you think the Buffs played, how Neuer played, how Broussard played. Any issues you had with coaching, um, let us know what you think down in the comments. We don't want you all to just watch. Tell us tell us how you're feeling, too. All right? How's that? Can, can we – you said issues with coaching. I mean, I think we got to get to uh, Darren Cheverini play calling because okay. that was at the top of my list. And actually, I started making my list at the end of the third quarter. And I was going to praise Coach Chev because um, he did call a great three quarters, a great first 45 minutes of football. <laughs> what the hell? Am I allowed to say that on here? Happened in the fourth quarter. I think I think once the fourth quarter hit, it just seemed like they didn't want to take any risks. Sam Neuer threw an interception. They're like, we're done. First of his career or first of his season. Sorry, not his career. First of his season. We're not we're not doing this anymore. Is what they decided, I guess. Um, yeah, but it was it was. Um, I feel like it was a great three quarters for Darren Cheverini. I think the offensive line looked really good too. Let's talk about Coach Rod and how he's developed this offensive line. You've got everyone mismatched all over the place, and it still seemed like the Buffs were winning the line of scrimmage. They just kept on opening up holes. I mean, once. Uh, late in the game, obviously Stanford loaded the box and that's why they're able to stuff the run. Uh, but they just couldn't stop opening up holes for Broussard, a couple from Mangum. Sammy was very good on the ground. As you mentioned earlier, a couple of touchdown runs. Uh, it just seemed like they had lanes to run through the entire night. Uh, pretty good protection and pass protection as well. They just a great all around game by that offensive line. we talked about that before the game that we didn't really know what to expect. They had to shuffle some guys around. Um, I thought Kari Kush was pretty good in at center for it being really his first time, first reps, period, at center. Um, I thought he did pretty good. A, a few missed snaps, I believe, early, early on in the first quarter. But other than that, I thought even his snaps were pretty solid. Uh, Chance Little, as I said, made a couple mistakes. He, he was obviously the link, weak link, but for somebody filling in, for somebody getting his first start, um, I thought he did a pretty acceptable job. It's nice that you can just keep on rotating guys in and they seem to be able to perform uh, what was it that was it the last touchdown? I want to say it was the last touchdown or second to last touchdown. Um, but they went to this goal line package and they threw a bunch of the offensive linemen out there. It was really so they had Nico Magri, who is playing tight end now. He moved from defensive line to tight end. They had him playing left tackle. Um, then they went with little Kutch. And then it was like a mix of Cannon Ray, Will Sherman, Frank Phillip. And maybe even Casey Roddick, but they just loaded up on a bunch of all these guys are over 270 pounds. Like, yeah. how are you going to stop that? Um, I thought that was an interesting goal line package, but overall, offensive Created, line, Created. and that's what we were plus of Jay Johnson last year. Oh, yeah, I, they were missing a lot with Jay Johnson yeah. last year. I think that's he did pretty one clear. Flea flicker, that's all we got one <laughs> flea flicker, and that was the extent of his creativity last year. Um, that was. The most praise he got. Can we uh, mention the Jay Johnson goose egg that got put on the board today? See, you put up 35 and Michigan State put up. Yeah. Well, that leads me right into what Shane said. Shane's back, to back weeks, actually. He says the offense looks efficient. I like their ability to punch it in. I agree. The offense does look efficient. Um, 
they they converted every single one of their um, red zone drives into touchdowns. They did not have to kick a field goal at all today. They continue to look really, really good in the red zone. Um, I, yeah. I don't know if I've had as much confidence in a football team once they get into the red zone. And that is complete. That is night and day um, from what they were able to do last yeah. year. felt like every time they're in the red zone, the last time something I, bad was going to happen. The last time I felt this confident in the red zone, LaVisca Chenault was taking it on every drive in the red zone. Right. Chenault was in Wildcat uh, quarterback, and that was the only time I was confident in that yeah. area. Or, or back in the day when Cepho used to just run right downhill, but that's when I was confident in the red zone. It doesn't even seem like they need to the do time. that. And I think credit to the offensive line, obviously. That helps you a lot. We talked about a couple of their goal line packages, but they've just been so much better um, down there this year than in previous years, and, and it gives you so much confidence. 35 points again, what they have 48 last week. Yeah. Um, so they got to be up there on, on average averages and points per game and even total yards per game in the entire country. I know they were around fifth uh, after last week. They'll keep that going. They went for 432 total yards uh, this week. So they'll keep all that momentum going. Just an impressive display by the offense for three quarters. Let's talk about the wide receivers. Again, no KD Nixon, but it didn't seem to matter. Brendan Rice's first touchdown is a bop. (laughs) I... I would have liked to be um, playing wide receiver right there. I think I could, I could have scored that touchdown. Uh, but, yeah, great recognition, obviously, by Sam Neuer. I don't know if you could have. Um, I, I, I really don't. Obviously, you haven't seen my hands, Vinay. <laughs> um, great recognition by Sam. Yeah. Uh, Brendan didn't have to do much, but, but uh, yeah, way, way to keep your eye on the ball, haul it in, and, and walk, walk your way right into the end zone. I thought he had a pretty good game, though, overall. He was getting himself open. Uh, he was trying to make some plays. They kept on throwing it down the field to him. Um, especially, I think they did it twice to him in particular um, when the team jumped off side, when Stanford jumped off sides. And they had a free play, and Sam would just shove it all the way down the field. And Rice almost made a play a couple of times. And probably a questionable pass interference. Are we going to get into uh, the officiating? Because I thought it, we got back to Pac-12 officiating. Yeah, let's do that. Um, let's talk about the defense. Um, we we saw it again this week. Uh, corners don't turn around. And we saw a couple of pass interferences. Another Christian Gonzalez pass interference, which you think is questionable, which I might agree with you on that. I, I'd say it was more than questionable. I, I think it was a terrible call. Uh, they're clearly hand-fighting all the way down the field. Stanford player initiated the contact. Yes, Christian Barely turns around. He did try to get his head around. Um, yes, his back is to the football, but there's no reason to call that pass interference. And that just seemed like a, a call that they wanted to keep Stanford into this game because if they don't call that, I, th- I believe Stanford. I don't know. I, you know, that's, that's where I start to get a little heartburn. I don't know if the officials are trying to keep Stanford in the game. I think oh, they're allowed to just Vinay. make mistakes without a conspiracy behind it. But let's let's be clear. Um Vinay. Yeah. Let's get into some, some more efficient. I mean, there are a couple of calls that clearly they're trying to keep them into the game. The the pass interference late in the Blackman, they, the they keep that well. drive going. Um, I, I wrote them all down here. Uh, oh, the the running into the punter that was clearly roughing the punter. He takes him out by the legs, dives at him, and nails him. Uh, they were clearly trying to keep Stanford in the, into the game. No. And they did a good job of it. It made the game interesting. Thank you, refs. 
the officials take an oath, and I and I believe they try their best to stand up for that oath. But let's move on from that because you and I will never agree on this. But there is one stat that I I put on Twitter. I, um, I wonder if there's people that are going to listen and watch yeah. this and and don't know about Vinay, me and Vinay's history of going back and forth about officiating because they're just going to think we we don't like each other. But, yeah, um, we do this a lot, especially during basketball season, but. That's yes, it. because I, I worked as a basketball official. I worked for Chassa for a couple of years uh, and did that. So, you know, I, I, I don't like this referee slander. It makes me uncomfortable. Okay, that's... Well, you'll be happy to know. I, I really, I didn't complain that much on Twitter. Um, I may have said a few things, but I, I yeah, really you didn't did say you a know. few. But the, the point that I was trying to make is Stanford scored three touchdowns. They got 21 points off of those three touchdowns. And all three of them came on drives with a pass interference. Yep. So that's got to that's got to tell you something right there. And and there is definitely a worry. I, I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But there safety corners. Is that something though that that CU needs to clean up. I mean, yeah. we're two weeks in a row now. Yeah. Uh, no. Exactly. And um and. I, I mentioned this on last week's podcast, cornerbacks coach Demetrius Martin. One of the warnings that we got from Arizona fans was he does not teach his corners to turn around, to get their head around and make a play on the ball. And, and we've seen that come back and bite CU. Uh, a couple of times today, it was the safety. It was Rake Straw um, in the end zone. So it's a whole secondary issue right now. Um, and I mean, they're not going to call it if you try to turn around and make a play on the ball. If you... Yeah. Keep your head down and put it into their chest. They're going to call it every single time. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully that will get ingrained to them. Somebody is going to have to say something, um, but there's no way they can just let that go uh, for the entire season because, like you said, it turns out to be touchdowns every single time. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear um, whether anybody asks about it in the press conference today to see what uh, the coaches think about those pass interferences because it, it really did change the game today. And whether you want to blame it on the officials or blame it on the players, um, that's it's a part of the game. Like you can't mm-hmm. you can't leave that up to the officials. You can't put your head down and run at a guy, and make yeah, no, and, and expect them to 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 not throw a flag. And the one that jumps out to me is Rakestraw one, and that that one was obviously a good call, and yeah. uh, and it was very clear why they that. called that and. Um, yeah, I don't like to say that, but uh, that's just something that they're going to have to learn from. I think the other two are a little bit more questionable. Now, Kai Blackman, the one on fourth down that I already mentioned, I think was a bad call. I can see why they want to call that holding. He definitely grabbed him by the neck, but he did the same exact thing on the play before. So if yeah, you're going to let the one the go on the play before, why are you going to call it now? On the play before, it's inc- the receiver was making contact first. So it was both of them kind of going back and forth, whereas on yeah. the fourth and one, Makai Blackman initiated that contact, I thought, from from, from my view, in my judgment. No, I, and and I think you're right, but it, it's just – it's so borderline because it, it's just grabbing, whereas it's a lot easier to see it if they're moving them out of the way, shoving them out of the way, yeah. getting, their, getting their body into them. Um, but usually hand grabbing, they tend to let it go, especially if uh, the other team is grabbing as well. That's why I thought it was questionable, but – they need to clean that up for sure. Um, that's what? just – it ruins – they were going to get a stop, especially yeah. the Gonzales one. They were going to get a stop, and then it ends up uh, turning into a touchdown. But one positive for Stanford uh, – I mean, for the Buffs on defense, 
They held Stanford to just 70 rushing yards in this game. 70. Steve's front seven defensive line is legit. I, I want to include the front seven because the linebackers deserve a ton of credit as well. Um, but I don't know. Like, I was watching USC, Arizona. USC definitely doesn't have a better defensive line than CU does. They have one guy, uh, Drake ja- is it Drake Jackson. Yeah. Um, he's probably the best defensive lineman in the Pac-12. But other than that, they're not as deep as CU is. And all all of those guys are just so dominant. Obviously, Sami, uh, Mustafa, and Terrence Lang. But even when they bring in the backups, they seem to be able to make some plays as well. I know Naz Jordan made one today. Um, but they, they've got a lot of guys there. Lord Murray yeah, as well. And then, yeah, and then you get it into um, the linebackers. And you can include Zay there because he played a ton of star today but um zay nate landman akil jones uh carson wells i think had was probably the best player on defense today um in my opinion maybe terrence lang you could argue yeah but uh wells Wells was was all over the field um tip interceptions that he had last week yeah and he almost had another one um he almost picked off that screenplay yeah today that that fell out of his hands that's one uh, thing I think um, they were able to force some turnovers. Turnovers tend to be a lot of luck, but um, they were so close so many different times to force some turnovers. They're ball hawking. Yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. on defense. It's been it's been very, very impressive. And they mentioned- I wanted to look at final stats here. Yeah. 14 um, tackles for Nate. Jeez. <laughs> put up a number. I, last week he had six, so I think he did. He had to put up a number um, yeah. this week. Yeah. And, and yeah, Carson, two pass breakups, two tackles for loss, a sack, and six total tackles. That's quite the game um, for Carson Wells. Christian Gonzalez had a pretty nice game. He he was up there in tackles, That's five tackles. PI, yeah. Isaiah, um, yeah, besides the PI, but it was a bad call. Uh, I, I thought the secondary and besides pass interference, I thought they did play well, especially for three quarters um, late in the fourth. They we talked about bigger. that before the game is uh, that last week we saw them give up a lot of plays over the middle to UCLA. We didn't see that as much against Stanford today, but I think they pointed this out on the broadcast that the Buffs haven't been able to stop the screen passes out in the flat, and we saw that again today. Yeah, yeah, I thought they are a little bit better um, with the screen defense. They blew up a few of those screen plays. Um, it, that They were just ball hawking the ball. Uh, all over the field, but yeah, definitely, definitely an issue. And, and I think they have cleaned that up a little bit. It was definitely something that they clearly worked on because they were able to get into the passing lanes a little bit better um, and slow that down. Over the middle, uh, I think they were able to hit the receivers over the middle quite a bit today. The slants yeah. seemed to be working. Um, they they didn't go to the Stanford didn't go to the tight end as much as UCLA did last week, but um, I think that is where where they were able to complete a lot of their passes was those slants plays. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about our, our keys. The keys that we said at the beginning of the game, I said over the middle, and then I said, will the offensive line be able to um, to own the line of scrimmage the way that they were last week? And I think they, they said yes on both of those. They were able to um, hold those plays over the middle to smaller. They weren't those big chunk plays that we saw against UCLA and, and the offensive line did did win the line of scrimmage today. 
Yeah. It, I mean, we, we can't praise them enough. I don't think Mitch Rodriguez and that whole crew, they, they won Rod- them the game on Rod- the offensive side of Rodriguez. My the bad. Rod system. Every- Let's all have some, some jambalaya for dinner tonight. Doesn't that sound good? In honor of Coach Rod, let's have some jambalaya. Yeah. Um, and then your team, um, you 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 talked about them a little bit in our pregame, but let's go go through those again too. I, I honestly don't even. I, I know we talked about offensive line, but what was my other one? I know I had a big one. Your other key was the defense, the defensive front. And that and they showed up, yeah. Know. So yeah. the okay. defensive line played great, and that was obviously That's the memory a of a goldfish. Yeah, we we nailed our keys. Yeah, we did. Well, they nailed our keys. And that brings me to, uh, we've got another comment here on Facebook. If you're watching on Facebook, if you're live with us, let us know what you think about this game. We want to hear from you. It, it, should, it doesn't have to be just the Chase and Vinay show. And Shane's given us another comment here. He says, this seems like a well-coached, well-prepared team. I don't see a lot of hiccups or stupid mistakes nearly anywhere. The coaches do work with their players' abilities. I think he hit the nail on the head there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Um... Overall preparedness, they they seemed ready to go in both the games, especially against UCLA, but um, Stanford as well. On the offensive side of the ball, I think they've had a great game plan both games. Uh, obviously, it helps Sam Neuer's very poised back there, and I think that helps just get the whole offense um, some confidence. And obviously, when you're running the ball well, your offensive line is playing well. It just helps to keep that rolling. And you, Definitely a well-coached team. It just seems like a, a different football team than um, what we saw last year. And, the, and they they had a couple impressive games, but I think just we're talking the full 60 minutes. I think they've yeah. just been so much more improved this year. Well, when Mel Tucker got here, his whole thing was, I want a tough team. I want a disciplined team, blah, blah, blah. He did a lot of talking. But then when we saw, <laughs> the, when we saw them on the field, we didn't see any of that. We saw false starts. We saw players where they weren't supposed to be giving up big plays. We saw, mm-hmm. we saw just boneheaded mistakes. Whereas this mm-hmm. year with Carl Durrell, he doesn't do a lot of talking, but he'll. <laughs> you saw it on the field. Aside from the PIs, you're not seeing a lot of penalties. You did see that face mask on that sack. Um, I think it was in the first half. Um, yeah, Jamar, Jamar Montgomery, who made a great play. Yeah. but Get to him, push him to the sideline. And then, yeah, just grab grabbed a hold of the face mask. I've no, and I think, you know, as someone that didn't play football at a high level, it's probably stupid of me to say this, but I don't understand why they all, always tend to do that. Like that's such an easy call for the refs, especially when they move their head. Like, well, I feel just, like do he- not grab the face yeah. mask. Yeah, <laughs> it's better. It's better to miss the tackle than to grab the face mask. Yeah, just let him uh, let him throw it out of bounds or something. Uh, for yeah, someone slow, who, at least whose football experience involves playing in my neighborhood uh, in someone's backyard or out in the driveways, I could see that um, he was just reaching because he was behind. Uh, mm-hmm. behind yeah, and you're just trying to. Hills. And so he was just yeah. reaching. I guess he, he reached for the face mask and that's what he landed on. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know what he saw. I don't know whether he thought maybe the referees wouldn't see it or what, but it was a great, great play. Great effort by Jamar Montgomery. Just, yeah, just uh, let's make, makes that. the mistake. And, but overall they didn't really make that many mistakes just in no. general. And this goes back to being a well-coached team. Um, they blew quite a few d- defensive assignments last week, especially when I went back 
and watch that game on tape. I didn't notice it nearly as much tonight. Um, no, I'll probably go back and watch it. Assignments. Oh yeah, that definitely um, on their defensive side of the ball. I, I'll probably go back and watch this game and pick out a few things that I see. But overall, they just seem very well coached, very well prepared. I think that's a great point by uh, Mr. Shane O'Brien. And the Buffs had six penalties today for 61 yards. We know three of them were pass interference penalties. And then Stanford had seven penalties for 53 yards. So, yeah, I guess, you know, the, the tight. And that's really low for both teams, really. Um, I think anybody that you can keep it under like 70, 80 yards um, tends to mean you had a pretty disciplined game. So um, Im- impressive. Obviously got to clean up the pass interferences. And, and I think it's a very dis- disciplined football team. Yeah, um, let's talk about coaching because coaching plays a big role into that. What did you think of the decision-making, the play-calling, everything from a coaching perspective today in the Buffs game? Um, So like we already touched on, great game plan. I think a good game plan on both sides of the ball, uh, especially offensively. Chev was pretty much calling a perfect game uh, up until the fourth quarter. And Darrell, yeah, I, I mean, you can question some of the D- Darrell. What was that? That one late when it was fourth and two or whatever. And there, there were a couple. You're right around the 50 and it's fourth and two, fourth and one. It's a very difficult call to make, but I didn't think it was like it was on fourth and one at the at the end of the game. I would have punted too. I would have punted. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, I think so. The one before that was a little bit more questionable, I think. Just because you had some momentum. I, I don't understand. They got into some short yardage situations and they go away from the QB sneak. The QB sneak has been working every single time for him. Yeah. Don't go away from it. Just keep on letting Sam take it and, and do his thing because it seems like that's the easiest play to gain one, two yards. What did you think about Mangum in this game? Better, improved definitely from um, yeah. last week. He, he, there still seems to be something off with him. Doesn't seem quite right. It does. Uh, eight carries, eighteen yards. I, his yards per carry is going to be a little bit off because they bring him in in more of the power situations along the goal line and all of that. So he's not going to have the same yards per carry as, as like a Jarek Broussard. But um, yeah, there still seems to be something wrong with him. He just doesn't seem to be able to break. No, uh, break break for the big one. You want to know my uh, theory on this? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, this is this is coming from my. Um, my experience playing out in the neighborhood. Um, you've got a small, slippery guy like Jarek Broussard who's running in between all of the uh, tackles, shifting around, doing everything like that. And then you've got this big, huge guy, Jarek Broussard, who comes in and it, he's just an easy... Jared, Jared Mangum. Sorry. Sorry, Jared Mangum coming in and he's just an easy t- uh, he's just an easy tackle for the, for the defense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I I think it's good uh, to have two running backs that are completely different styles, but but there's something off with him. I I don't know what it is yet, but there's something off with him. Honestly, Ashad Clayton comes in and and gets a carry. I know CU fans are happy to see that. Ashad Clayton today had one rush for three yards. And and I really think he was only on the field for one play, maybe two. Yeah. but yeah, he gets that one carry. Look, look good in the one carry. Um, nice to see him out there. Weird that he got the carries instead of Joe Davis. 
I don't fully understand what's going on with the running backs just because I think they just have so many that they like uh, that it's hard to give them all carries. But when when Jarek's going, there's no reason to give the ball to anybody else. Yeah, even in short yardage situations, I know you're supposed to give it to the bigger running back. Honestly, I wouldn't go away from Jarek Broussard in a short yardage situation either. Yeah, he just seems like he's he's bound to get you uh, four or five yards every single time, no matter what. Even if there's a linebacker right there on the edge, he'll just spin right out of him and gain you five yards. Yeah. That was uh, a sweet play. I loved that play. Yeah. Do you think the Buffs gave up a little early in this game? Should have been more aggressive in the fourth quarter? Not gave up. Definitely. Game a little early. Definitely. And, and yeah, not gave up, but it's yeah. play calling and it's becoming conservative. Um, We're back in the mic. They, they did it the entire fourth quarter. I was trying to find it because I heard somebody mention it. Um, I can't find it on my stat page, but do you know how many yards they had in the fourth quarter? Because I heard somebody mention it was like around 17. Let me. But I'm trying to find it. Let me check to see what where I can get it from. There's a way to get it somewhere. Yeah, so in the fourth quarter, the Buffs had 29 yards. Stanford had 155. Buffs yeah, 29 attempts, yards. Not Buffs attempted 13 rushes, averaged 2.2 yards for each rush. They had 29 total rush yards in the fourth quarter. They attempted zero passes. No passes attempted in the fourth quarter. That, that There's something wrong with that. 15 minutes where you're not passing the ball. You cannot get that predictable. I don't care that you need to run out the clock and you need the clock to keep running because if you complete a pass, they get tackled inbounds, which is pretty likely if you complete the pass. The clock's going to keep running, and you're going to have open guys if they keep on stacking the box um, and trying to stuff your run. So why not call throw a few play action in there? I know they had the one. They did do that one pass attempt. that they called the penalty on. Yeah, Buffs uh, had on one total, down. one total first down in the fourth quarter. But besides that one, um, that one pass attempt that they called the penalty on, they didn't even attempt the pass in the fourth yeah. quarter. That's there's something wrong with that. You you have to keep the foot on the gas, especially in college football. You really never know. What was it today? Um, I had I. I bet this game actually. It was uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina. I had Wake Forest money line. They were like a ten, uh, like a twelve point dog in this game. They're up the entire game, and they were up forty five. I want to say it was like forty five thirty two, forty five something like that in that region. Heading into forty five thirty one, heading into um, the fourth quarter, and they end up losing the football game. You just never know. You have to keep your foot on the gas, and they only ended up scoring forty five points. So similar to CU, I know CU got that touchdown early on in the fourth quarter, um, but similar to them, they just let up, and you just got to keep scoring, especially when your offense is rolling. Just keep the play calling going. Yeah. Keep the defense on their toes. When you become predictable, it's so much easier to stop you. That's what I heard John Madden say for years on the video game while I was growing up. Hey, if you're watching on uh, Facebook Live, let us know you're here. Tell us what you think. Do you think the Buffs got too conservative in the fourth quarter? What would you have liked to see them do differently in this game? Tell us. We want we want to hear from you. We don't want it to just be uh, the two of us sharing our hot takes on this podcast. Um, yeah, no, nobody wants to hear me. All of the game. 
Wait, sorry, say that again. I think your your connection broke up a little bit. My connection uh, can can everyone hear me? I just want to know what everyone thinks about the whole game. Yeah, yeah. Anybody drop your thoughts? Um, I obviously have thoughts. They they looked great. I I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons to be happy about this football team. It's easy to kind of be a little bit more pessimistic considering how they finished that game, but they look great for three quarters. They look like one of the best teams in the Pac-12 South. And that is not exaggerating. I don't know what the final score is in USC, Arizona. Um, I know either USC was going to barely squeak it out um, or Arizona was going to get a drive late, but that game was way too close for what it should have been. USC barely beat ASU. Um, obviously, CU already beat UCLA. The Pac-12 South is very, very winnable this year. Yeah. And I think they're right there in the mix. So there's a lot of reasons to be happy about this football team. So USC beat Arizona by the um, skin of their teeth. 34 to 30 is mm-hmm. the final score. So, yeah, just barely. And they just barely beat ASU last week. Um, but they got votes in the AP good. top 25. We still haven't seen uh, Utah yet. No. We're not. So, and we're not going to see him this week. This week. Yeah. So we might not see him until next week. And next week might even be questionable. I know they still have a lot of positives. Um, so let's talk, touch on this a little bit, just because we're covering the whole Pac 12. Yeah. Um, two games get canceled this week. They're actually going to let the two teams that don't have the positive cases play tomorrow. That's going to be Cal and UCLA tomorrow at 10 a.m. in the morning. So some morning uh, Pac-12 football. Pac- Someone tweeted, who was it? Pac-12 before church yeah, or yeah. after church. Yeah. Uh, oh, some, that, some, I, I think that's a great the, idea, by the way, to play some Pac-12 football right before NFL football. Everyone <laughs> yeah, wakes up honestly. wanting to get their football fixed, and they'll tune right into this uh, Pac-12 game. So that will obviously be very interesting, but um, CU has Arizona State on the schedule next week. Yeah, Arizona State, from what everybody is reporting, has pretty much a whole one side of the ball is positive. So offensive defense, yeah, from ESPN, and and five staff members, or at least five staff members, so they have some problems, including coach Herm, coach, yeah, and they mentioned that on the the game today too. I don't know what's going to happen with that game next week because they're saying all reports are saying that they're early in their outbreak. Yeah. So it, I mean, you say, I don't know what's going to happen, but basically with what is being reported right now, and we don't know anything more than what's being reported right now. I'm, I can go ahead and assume that they're not going to be ready to go next week with that many positive cases. And we've seen what has happened with like a team like Wisconsin. They've been out uh, for a few weeks. I, I don't expect Arizona State to be ready to play next week. So yeah. cross yeah. that out. Pac-12 still moving these games around. If there's another team that has an outbreak or one of the teams that's sitting out this week, Utah, uh, for example, that still isn't ready to go next week, then they will move some games around. Yeah, uh, so. so there's still a possibility that CU plays next week, even if it's not against Arizona State. Yeah. So and, here's, here's how the South is looking right now. So CU is 2-0. USC is 2-0. Utah hasn't played any games. UCLA, Arizona, ASU are all 0-1. So the Buffs, I mean, they could, they could do it. They they could do it. They're right in the mix in the Pac-12 South. And the Buffs um, are scheduled to play ASU. Then they'll be at USC. 
and then they'll be at Arizona, and then they finish their season against Utah here at home on December 11th. So what I was going to say is Utah right now dealing with a bunch of cases. Um, Utah plays USC next week. So what could happen, Yeah, and this is just, uh, I'm just throwing this out there. This is just pure speculation. What could happen, Utah's not ready to go. They move USC up to play CU. And then they'll let Utah play USC the next week when CU is supposed to play USC. Yeah. If that happens, next week could be a game for the Pac-12 South. Yes. If if that happens. I think that'll if be that a lot of fun, too. Yeah. Yeah, but Red even if that doesn't happen, the next week could be. Yeah. What's that? Coming off of two wins as a head coach. I mean, this, <laughs> this could be a lot of fun. Uh, we got another question on our Facebook. Keep sending us your thoughts, your questions. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook Live, uh, Kirk says, how much better has Chev been with a better supporting staff? Not worried about next year, but I think he's going to be hard to keep around. Thoughts? Well, I I I hate this topic, okay? If, if Chev is leaving, if he is in a position where he has a head coaching job somewhere, that is a great thing for CU. That means that this offense has been tearing it apart. Um, everybody should be happy about that. Don't be worried if Chev's going to leave. Chev needs to leave. And people need, because he he needs to, not that he needs to go. I'm not saying that. But a lot of people were talking about him as a head coaching candidate um, when that job was open. And a lot of people were like, he doesn't have enough experience. Um, so why not let him go coach a group of five team or something like that and get that experience and then be ready to take over the CU head coaching job after Darrell leaves. I think that that would be a great well, thing for CU. And obviously we, we would be rooting him on. It's not like he's going to leave and go coach CSU or like Nebraska. He's going to go have some fun somewhere. And then the, it's likely that he's going to end up back in Boulder eventually. Yeah. Um, let's also be clear about one thing. Chev loves the buffs. Chev, mm-hmm. Chev has been a buff. He's been very loyal to the buffs. After McIntyre left, Mel Tucker demoted him, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And Chev stuck around, and then he made him, obviously, the assistant head coach. And then when this coaching job came up, they made him the um, the interim head coach, right? And then when Mel Tucker left, and then they didn't give the job to him again, and Carl Durrell decided to keep him on. You, you you remember that whole saga where he got mm-hmm. rid of CU off of his Twitter bio and all that yep, stuff. Yep. So Chev, Chev has proven that that he wants to be here. He wants to stay here. If he gets a head coaching job, it's not going to be in a Power 5 school like you mentioned. He's not going to uh-huh. Nebraska. He's not going to CSU. Um, you, if Chev leaves, I think he'll find his way back here just like Carl Durrell did. Right, right. And the other important part about the point that you just made is he loves CU so much. He's not going to leave. I don't see him leaving for an offensive coordinator position. No. At, let's say like a big time school, like a Alabama or like a Georgia. I just don't, I don't see that happening. I think if he leaves, he's taking a head coaching gig. Somewhere. Yeah. That's yeah, it's similar to what's going on with Clemson where Brent Venables is their defensive coordinator He's gotten mm-hmm. so many offers to be a head coach and he hasn't taken any of them because he loves Clemson. He loves being a defensive coordinator. We might see the same thing out of Chev. We might not, but 
Yeah, I think I think we're a little down the road from that. He's had two good games. Let's see if he can. Right, right. I, and we have to go back to when you first started calling plays. And, and he's calling a completely different game. But yeah. when he first started calling plays. In he was also the co-offensive coordinator that, back then, too. Yeah, that, that offense was on a roll through the first five games. It was like one of the top offenses in the country. And then it absolutely hit a wall. So we're very early on in the process to be talking about all of this, but they did ask. It it is worth a mention. I'm just, there's nothing to be worried about. If he leaves, it's a good thing. Just be happy about it. Well, we think it's a good thing. You might not think it's a good thing, but yeah, agreed. Great question, Kirk. Uh, I think, I think this was a great discussion point. Yeah. It's, it's just fun to think about where these coaches can go because we've seen we've seen some talented coaches come here. We've seen some not-so-talented coaches. And I'm just glad we get to talk about a coach who's actually doing well where we're not mm-hmm. questioning after every game, should they have done this? Should they have been more aggressive? Should they have mixed it up in the red zone? Why can't they score? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we, we do get to question a little bit the conservatism, yeah. not to get not political, the conservatism in the fourth yeah. quarter. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we can question that, but it's an, obviously we, he called a great game and we're going to acknowledge that he called it a great three quarters. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah. Anything else on that chef thing or. No, I think, I think that yeah. covers it. I mean, I'm just happy to see this offense rolling as much yeah, as yeah, yeah. it is. And, and, and when you're off great. When your offense is successful, these questions are bound to come up. And that's just a, a nature of success, I guess, is that. And I, and I feel like if you ask Carl Durrell, would he like to lose his coaches to a head coaching job? He would say yes every time. And so would Tad Boyle. So would J.R. Payne. So would every coach on this at this at this university. Right. Uh, the fans, and, maybe not. And the other thing about that point, just to piggyback it real fast, is – when you have coaches that are leaving for good head coaching jobs, assistant coaches, that means that other really good assistants are going to work, want to work for you because yeah. that because yeah. they know that they can work you up the ladder. It's similar to Tad Boyle. I mean, he's been able to get some good assistant coaches because they know that Tad's going to develop them and probably get them a head coaching gig somewhere. Yeah, we're not pulling uh, offensive line coaches up from uh, high school for mm-hmm. tennis basketball team like we are doing for football. Not that nothing against coach Rod, but he uh I was a little I was a little sketched out when they first hired him. Mm-hmm. And everybody was, but hey, look at us now. We're yeah. we're pounding jambalaya down our throats and we're loving it. <laughs> um did you watch the did you watch the game on ESPN? I did, yeah. Yeah, did you like it? Uh, are you asking about like the commentary? The yeah, commentators yeah, yeah. Or? I've seen a lot uh, of tweets where people did not like it. Well, I okay. First of all, I don't mind Beth Mowens as much as other people do. No. Uh, I didn't listen to the game the entire time because Notre Dame was also on. So sometimes I'd switch the volume to the other one. Uh, okay. So I'll say that too. I don't mind Beth Mowens. Gilmore, though, I thought he was kind of annoying. He, I don't think he did. He put in an, a lot of research on CU, and he's clearly a Stanford homer. I mean, he went there. Uh, so you could just tell that he was kind of root, rooting his Stanford guys on there. Yeah, this was this was a hot topic on Twitter. Let us know what you think about uh, Beth Mullins and Gilmore in the, in the in the comments. But, yeah, there were lots of people who did not like the the, the broadcast group today. I like Beth Mullins. I think she does a good job. It's hard to broadcast when you're watching off of TV too. Just, just, uh, just want right. to throw that out there. 
But yeah, I agree with you. Gilmore was not good. <laughs> and you'll never it's hard. I know how hard that job is. So like yeah. I don't want to be too critical. But yeah, I, I thought Moens did a good job. And the important stat about Moens is the buffs are two and oh when she calls the game. So yeah. just let's keep calling the games all, all season <laughs> long. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Let's uh let's let's ask ESPN if they can do that. <laughs> keep Beth Moens on every game because the buffs are two and oh with her. Um yeah. Other than that, I thought the the broadcast was good. I saw everything I wanted to see. There were uh, a couple of hiccups, but you know that happened. Oh, what was that one third down where they're they're switching the screen? Yeah, they're switching the, the pass. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one was brutal. But like you said, it's it's tough because everybody is in like different spots. Yeah. It's not as easy as the normal broadcast. Um, I want to know how how Mark did on the radio. That must have been a quite the yeah i saw some people were tweeting that they were enjoying it i don't know i'd I'd like to go back and listen yeah you think it's a different touchdown touchdown colorado when it's like in a little closed down area i don't think so he was he he still lets it lose he was at the cu event center i think watching this game so probably in like the buff vision area yeah 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 Waking up the the entire campus with some touchdown, touchdown, Colorado. Yeah, we we don't know, um, but good game for the Buffs again. Um, the the one the one stat that I forgot to mention when we were talking about the offense is that the Buffs last game they were able to um, score on turnovers for most of the game. This game, you saw them string a lot of seventy five yard drives together. Yeah, great, great point. Um, just goes back to the offense play calling. The entire offense was really good for three quarters, um, but like we, I think we'd like to see them force some more turnovers and and get some better field position. But if you're not going to get that field position, you might as well just go seventy five yards. Yeah, uh, I yeah. like I and we already mentioned this earlier. They were very close to forcing turnovers. It just they barely missed on a few interceptions. Yeah. So their scoring drives were two plays for 57 yards. That was that big um, uh, catch by, um, sorry, name is slipping. Demetri Stanley. Demetri Stanley. Um, Then they had 10 for 75 yards, nine plays for 75 yards, three plays for 61, and then 10 plays for 80 yards. So they were able to string some long drives together. None of their scoring drives started in Stanford territory. The other stat I wanted to point out, the Buffs punted three times in each of the first three quarters and then punted three times in the fourth quarter. Not good. Yeah, not good. Um, Fourth quarter, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I I don't want to beat a dead horse, but fourth quarter play call, that offense was just not the same. They had three drives for three touchdowns in the third quarter. Uh, well, they they looked really really good in the third quarter. Yeah. It just when when you bring it up, it's just tough to think about what what happened in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, so if you have any last second thoughts, anybody in the comments, let us know. We are just about wrapping up here on the Buff Stampede post game podcast. Chase, any final thoughts? No, but another victory Saturday. How are you celebrating? Uh, we've eaten barley. Wheat and barley. Okay. All right. Final thoughts. Last call on our Facebook live page. 
anything? Nope. We got a bunch of lurkers. They don't want to hey, okay. have any thoughts. We like lurkers, but we also want to hear what you think. So the Buffs win. They beat Stanford 35 to 32. Sam Neuer again, 15 for 24, 255 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Jarek Broussard, 27 rushes for 121 yards. Neuer also rushed for eight rushes for 36 yards and two touchdowns. All around good performance for the Buffaloes. They beat Stanford 35 to 32. No field goals this game, just five touchdowns. Um, and the Buffaloes, Ranch. Adam says Ranch. Adam's team Ranch. <laughs> 2v1. I still say Blue Cheese. Blue Cheese over Ranch. Anymore. Wrong. Hey, we'll see you next call, Adam. That's why we all love you, Adam. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see you all uh, after the ASU game, if that happens, or whoever the Buffs play next week. Yep. See you next week, or before we might do the pregame show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And and give the basketball podcast a listen. Vinay and I are also on that. Uh, Jake leads us through that, but uh, give that one a listen if you're a CU hoops fan as well. Yeah. And if you want to hear some referee arguments, we'll see you next week. That will definitely happen during the season. All right. Peace out. Thanks, everybody.